Hi there, and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Jamie Hampton, and I am here with our guest, Gina Duke. Gina is an award-winning author, speaker, leadership coach, and podcast host of The Gina Duke Show. She's the Christian author of Abingdon Press's book, Organizing Your Prayer Closet. And I tell you, as soon as I saw this, I was just telling Gina, I was like, we have got to, we've got to have her on the show to talk about prayer. Um, and, and this book introduces the gift of structured prayer journaling. Um, but on top of that, Gina also helps Christian women grow in their faith, order, and influence as leaders of both ministry and in the marketplace. So Gina does it all, really. <laughs> so welcome, Gina, to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you, Jamie. I'm so excited to be here. And likewise, when I found your podcast, I was like, these are my people. And so I wish I could do it all. Um, but you know, that's why we all need resources like this because we need the assistance. We need the aid. That's right. <laughs> thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, me too. We, we definitely are glad to have you. Well, before we jump into talking about organizing your prayer closet, we like to ask all of our guests what your favorite prayer closet is. Where do you like to go to speak with God? Okay. So my favorite place is a place on my couch where I sit often. <laughs> it's my little corner. We've got this, we've got this very large couch and my husband is always on one side and I'm on the other and I just get nestled into that couch. And uh, that's really, um, it's where I hang out in the evenings and that's where I get into, you know, my prayer closet is in this book. It's, it's, it's the, the place that I go, it's the place mm -hmm. I go to get a grip, you know? And uh, so that's where I usually get is just nestled right there. Um, we don't always watch a lot of TV. And um, so it's, it provides, and a lot of times he'll go to bed before I do, and it provides just the right place. Well, I love the way that you put that your prayer closet is in this book. And yes. th the truth is there, the prayer closet comes with us wherever we are. We're always carrying around. We're the temple of the Holy spirit. And yes. so wherever we go, we're, you know, we can access that prayer closet mm -hmm. when we, you know, when we tap into that relationship, that conversation with God. So absolutely. I'm really excited. Can you just tell us, give us an overview of what this book organizing your prayer closet is, what prompted you to write it and, and what you really would love for women to come away with? Okay. Well, the book is, there's about a hundred pages. There's 10 chapters of prayer tips, and then there's 60 weeks worth of structured prayer journaling pages. So as you open up, and I call it the prayer closet organizer, which was a play on words. You know how we have prayer closets and then we have closet organizers. Yes. And so it was kind of a play on words. And this was really before the movie, the war room. Mm -hmm. And so it's a, once you get to that part and you open up the book, it's just, you see a whole week, you know, it's a weekly layout and there's 10 compartments. The compartments are praise and thanksgiving, freedom and forgiveness, a place for your prayer petitions. There's a place for God answers and a place for the date, like at the right time, there is a place for that's just for me. It's for my passions, what God's dealing, you know, what I, what I'm experiencing. And then there's a place for ambassador notes so that if I'm witnessing, you know, I'm trying to lead someone to the Lord, I remember to pray for them. There's a place for insight and updates. Sometimes I feel like the Lord 
will give me special revelation knowledge over something I'm reading. And I want to capture that in the scriptures or whatnot, or I'm praying about something and I feel like the Holy Spirit is nudging me to pray about it in a certain way. And that's, an, that's the same place I capture those things. I have an ears to hear section where I list anything I feel like the Holy Spirit is prompting me to do. And then I have a faith and follow through section, which is like the part B to the ears to hear section where I write down, yes, I have followed through. So it's my accountability piece. And then there's a couple of little areas for just little notes. And so it's a weekly worksheet and that's my layout. And all through the week, I'm using that spreadsheet to make my entries. And that's where I'm in prayer. And I love that because I just think that one of the big problems that we hear from women, when we ask, what is your biggest prayer struggle has to do with, well, I don't know where to begin. You know, I don't know where to pray. I have this, you know, I have this one minute or this 10 minutes or this hour and you sit down and all of a sudden we're so used to input that when we sit down with that blank space and that just open line of communication, it's like, well, what do I do now? And having that organization is amazing. I'm just listening to all these different topics. And I'm like, those are, that's great. You can just sit there in prayer and you, if something comes to your mind, you know where to put it. If you right. don't know what to do, you start in on this section. I mean, it's just so mm-hmm. powerful to have that tool. Yeah. It's really like, once you've got it open, it's got, it encapsulates your whole relationship with the Lord. It's just mm-hmm. right there. And then I have a scripture over each compartment. So I can pray the word of God with, with each of the compartments. So I curated all the scriptures that go with each compartment. And you'd ask what prompted me to write this book. And I'll have to tell you back in the mid nineties, I had an aunt for Christmas who gave me a prayer journaling book. Now, if you go to a bookstore and you look for a prayer journal, most of the time, it's going to be a beautiful book and you open it up and it's just blank lines. Well, this particular, so that's what I thought she was giving me. It was a very nice leather book. So this was in the nineties before I even really, I mean, I wasn't on the internet and there was no Amazon and I never could find another one like it. But when I opened it up, it had one column that said prayer request and another that said prayer answer. Hmm. And that was so intimidating to me. I was like, who am I? to keep up with what God's doing. I wasn't sure, like, is this sacrilegious? Like, should I even be doing this? And um, because I really thought, and this was so revealing, like I didn't even realize how little my faith was because I thought, you know, if I write things down, I don't think I'm going to get very many answers. And then I'm going to have solid proof that he doesn't really answer prayers. Oh, and That's I was like, powerful. Wow. <laughs> and I didn't even realize that I felt that way, but I really thought, you know what? I do believe God answers prayer. I've always been taught that. I do believe that. I know that he is a God that answers prayer. And then the other thought was, well, somebody published this, so it must not be sacrilegious. <laughs> and so I thought I'm going to use it. And so that week I started writing down prayer request and lo and behold, I was getting answers and that was so, that was a game changer for me because I think so often we're throwing things up. We don't even realize that he's answering our prayers or how he is answering our prayers. And even after this book got published, one of my girlfriends who sits on the pew on the same pew as I do, um, 
she came to church and she flashed me my book. She had a copy. And what she said to me, she looked at me and she flashed it to me and she said, God answers prayer. Who knew? Oh. <laughs> it's like she had this same revelation that he is answering so many of the things I'm writing down. He is answering them. And so that's what I want women to walk away with is what just that they can really see this is the deal. This is the deal right here. When you do this type of structured prayer journaling, it's like pulling things from the spiritual realm into your visual presence where you can physically see the hand of God moving through your life because you will be able to do it. And the way that this is set up, like I said, it encapsulates your really your whole relationship with the Lord. You, it helps us to really see the spiritual because we've written it down. So many times God in the Bible said, write this down. And I just think when that's how we're able to really, you know, it becomes less abstract. Prayer becomes less abstract in this way. And um, many years later went by and I never could find another prayer journal like that. And I never forget, I was, I was trying to lead this girl to Christ. I was witnessing to her that I worked with. And this was early, this was 2001. And um, one day she came to me and asked me to pray for her father who was having some tests run. And I said those five famous last words of a Christian, I will pray for you. She called me a week later at home, which she never did to thank me. You know, he got his test results and she thanked me for praying for her. And you know what? I had not one time thought about that since she said it. Mm. And I felt like such a fraud. And I was like, frantic. I was like, I've got to have a book like that. And I'm just thinking, I'm never going to let this happen again. Like, what can I do? And it was almost like the Holy Spirit was like, hey, don't you have Excel spreadsheets now? (laughs) And I was like, that's right. And I just, I created this little spreadsheet on my computer and he just kept leading me to add more and more compartments until it got built out in this layout. And, and then I did it for years. And then I finally was able to put it up in front of a publisher, uh, three publishers. And one of them got my concept and published it. And that was having press. I love that. And I, I, what a joy to your heart. It had to be for someone to just say, God answers prayer. I mean, like for you to be able to put something in front of someone to help them see the hand of God moving, that's huge. That is huge. I love it. And, you know, I just, I, yeah, I, in my own journaling in the past, I came across, I I started journaling probably the most like in earnest in, in college is when I started really writing out my prayers and not just kind of dear diary stuff to God. Right. And I wrote down my prayers and what I do sometimes is go back and I'll read yes. what I had written and I would go back years later and I'd be like, I didn't remember praying that. And God answered that years later, yes. but I didn't even remember that I asked for that, or that was even on my radar. And here he did this and just how many of those beautiful, like faith building anchors did we yes. miss by not writing them down? So yeah, that's, that is, that is so neat. And that's the thing about things that I've written at the beginning of the year, I can go back, you know, at the end of each quarter, 
I do like a little prayer retreat and I go back to the beginning and I make sure I'm updating. I will update certain things, but, but again, like I'll forget things I've prayed about that he's already answered. And I'm, I'm writing the date down and make, you know, as best I can remember. And, you know, there's some value in, I believe in just writing that he answered it and when he answered it and sometimes seeing how it coincided with something else is just really a neat thing because it allows you to see more, be more insightful into what God is doing than if you just thought, okay, yeah, he answered it. But it's, it's also the, the circumstances and uh, the timing in which he did it all gives us even more clues to knowing him even more intimately. Oh, absolutely. And even sometimes seeing that there was a reason for the waiting. There was a yes. reason it had to be three years later and it couldn't have yes. been right when you asked for it. Yes. Or there's a reason that that thing happened that looked like it was the exact opposite of what you asked for that ended up being for your good exactly. and, and bringing your heart's desire to, you know, I just, yeah. Oh, I love it. That's all right. Well, one thing that I really, really stood out to me in your book that I've never heard anyone really talk about before is this concept of a house of feasting versus a house of mourning when it comes to our prayer lives. Can you talk about that and how it's shaped your prayer life and how you approach God? Yes. I, I'm telling you, I'm really all about the house of mourning and it speaks to me in so many ways, but at the t- top of each of my weekly worksheets, there is a scripture. It's first Peter four, seven, and it says, I'm just going to paraphrase it because in my book, uh, it was published by Abingdon Press, which is the Methodist publishing house, and they use their own translation. So it doesn't read like how I really like it. But so first Peter four, seven says the end of all things is near. Therefore, be serious and clear minded for prayer. And when you look at that particular scripture, you might think that it's an end time scripture because Peter is saying the end of all things is near, but it's not. He's talking about prayer and everything that we pray about, there is going to be an end to that matter. So he's wanting us to be urgent about prayer. But the other part where he says to be serious, I think we all think, well, we're serious. I'm serious about prayer. I'm serious when I pray. But when I, when I was studying this scripture, it referenced this particular scripture about the house of mourning, Ecclesiastes 7.2. And that's where King Solomon, who's the wisest man God created. And he said that it is better to go to a house of mourning than it is to go to a house of feasting. Now, if you and I had a choice tonight on whether or not we were going to go out for dinner with a bunch of our friends or go to the funeral home, you know, most people, they would choose, let's go out with friends. I mean, who wants to go to the funeral home? But that's why this is important. We all live toward a house of feasting. We all live toward, like, I'm a big Marvel fan. So I can't wait till the Eternals come out. I'm about to redo my bathroom and my master bathroom. So I'm on Pinterest with a Pinterest board, pinning stuff. You know, we're thinking about home improvement program uh, projects, our favorite movies coming out, where we're going to eat out this weekend, where are we going to go on vacation? We're always living toward a house of feasting. And that's why he said it's better to go to a funeral home, because when we go to this house of mourning, it unspoils us from the running and doing and playing of life. And we get quiet 
and we stop thinking about ourselves and all those things. We think less of ourselves and we think more about others. We think more about others' pain and suffering, what they're going through. We begin to think about eternal things. We get, we think about life and death and eternity and salvation. And that's why he said that it's better to go to a house of mourning. And so how this helps me in my prayer life, because clearly this is one of the cross references of this scripture. And Peter was saying, okay, I want you to be urgent, but I want you to be really serious when you pray. And so what I like to do is um, because I follow my little compartments. And so I have like, I'll take the time for the praise and I'll go through the the part of freedom and forgiveness where I'm confessing any, you know, sins or failures that day. And then before I get to the prayer petitions, I like to go to my house of mourning. Now I'm using this word, not that we're physically going to a funeral home, of course, but a house of mourning can be different things. And this is how I feel like the Holy Spirit's led me. For many years, even though I'm called to minister to women, for many years, I was so, like, I believe God was using me as an intercessor for abused and neglected children. That would just vex my soul. That would grieve me. And a lot of times when I would, even after I'd done my prayer closet, organizing and praying, and I'd go to bed, I would just lay there and just cry out to God and weep and just it was just intercession. And that was my house of mourning. And so a lot of times that's the place where I would go to, to clear my mind. You know, he said, like, have a clear mind, get serious. You know, when our kids are cutting up and whatnot, and we need them to be serious, you know, we'll say, Hey, get serious, you know? And, um, that's what he was wanting us to do. So like, you know, when my mother, my mother was in hospice care for four years, She was young, she was healthy, but she had a brain tumor that she could not overcome even after surgery. So her death was a slow death because her body was so strong. And so for four years, that was my house of mourning. So before I would get into all my prayer requests, I would, I would just emotionally go to my house of mourning and I would start there. And then I would continue on in um, my prayer requests. And so the house of mourning is so important, again, because it unspoils us from all the running and doing and playing of life so that we can truly concentrate on the things that are really important than things that really have eternal value. I I think that is so insightful. And um, I mean, I've experienced it. I, it's almost like, you know, you're thinking sober minded. It's almost like we get drunk on mm-hmm things that make us happy, whether it's entertainment or not to say that God created us to go around mourning all the time. He wants us to seek joy and he wants us to be joyful in how he made us. But this idea of stripping away that, you know, beginning in that house of mourning and who knows that as the prayers go on, of course, there's going to be gladness. There's going to be celebration and praises, but, oh, I just, I really, that really, for me personally is a great tip. And it, I don't even want to call it a tip because that sounds like just this, like, oh yeah, just throw it out there. But like, kind of a revolutionary. Uh, it was idea for me to implement into my prayer life. I really think yes. that it reminds me of the song. Have you ever heard the Heart of Worship? And it begins yes. when the music fades yes. and all is stripped away, and I simply Absolutely. come. 
it's kind of like when, when the gladness and the excitement and the busyness and the fun is kind of stripped away, let's just come simply before you with that heart of worship and yeah. with the gravity right. of what we're doing, which is coming into the throne room of God. I mean, that's yes. big. That's right. That's right. It's been very helpful to me just to get quite, cause you know, sometimes, well, not just sometimes, but I think a lot of times most people will agree. It's hard to quiet our minds because we're, we may be trying to pray, but we're still thinking about work tomorrow or mm-hmm. a relationship issue. And this going to this a house of mourning of something that really vexes your soul really starts getting you in that zone of what's really important so that you can pray properly. The things that I write down in my structured prayer journal, they're worth more than just an honorable mention. They're worth really me praying about it in all seriousness. Well, and I think for the person listening that doesn't have that place that doesn't, they're like, well, where do I even go? I mean, I just think just look at the news, just look at what makes you cry. What makes you angry? What disturbs you? Where do you see a lack of justice? Like what, what are those things? And those can be, you know, those can become, you know, those could become prayer burdens. If that's, you know, if that's because we can make a difference, I think we become overwhelmed by the things going on around us. But if you don't have anything that just immediately comes to mind, a good place to start is maybe just as you see things in the news or talk to people, things that break your heart and you can not just lament how bad that is, but you can take it to God so that he can work in it. Yeah, absolutely. And I love how you said, just don't lament over those things. I mean, that's pity and pity is just, it's so problematic um, because it doesn't, it doesn't take us to where we need to take that issue, which is to the Lord. We just begin to look at it and feel sorry for it and how it makes us feel instead of really putting prayer to it. Right. And lamenting in God's presence. And so, because he's the only one that can do anything about it, (laughs) absolutely (laughs) involving him and not just wallowing in it. That's right. Well, I also, I like this in your book, you talk about prayer is definitely about us approaching God with requests. Like you're, you know, we're talking about praying and seeing God work, but it's, uh, and, and you make it clear that God usually asks far less of us than we ask of him, but he does ask things of us and we have to make sure that we're making room for that. So can you talk about the importance of prayer as not just being a list that we pray down, but a listening and receiving. And I know a couple, a couple of your prayer closet organizing, you know, columns involve that hearing from God and seeing him speak. Yes. So in the ears to hear section, um, that's where like, so I think it's important, like we think through our day um, or, you know, I just take notice, like I could be driving to work and there might be a thought, like I might be thinking about someone in my Sunday school class who's going to have surgery and I might feel prompted to take them food. And I want to remember that. I mean, a lot of times we will remember stuff, but not always. Um, there might be um, someone that reaches out to me and, and they're in a dilemma. And later on, I might have just a word for them. And I want to remember to follow back up with them and say, I've been praying about your situation and give them that word. 
And um, so that so I do that quite often. And but it's it's not as often as you think uh, that the Lord is really asking us to do that much. Because I'm telling you, I've been doing this for you know 20 years now, <laughs> and I tally up at the end how many prayer requests I had, you know, how many yeses and how many noes. And it's not that I'm trying to really just focus on what yes is, what did God do for me and what did he not? It's not, I'm trying to, again, better get insight to know him better and to understand what he is doing with me and whatnot. I will, I have found that my yeses get more, but I think that this discipline helps me to pray more in accordance to his will. Um, But then I will find, like, I may ask him and I wrote down, like I grabbed one of my old ones um, in my old uh, prayer closet organizers and, and looked at this in the back. Cause I write, I make these notes in the back of the book in 2015, I asked him for 229 things, you know, and I went through and I added them all up. He only asked me of 34 things. <laughs> and it's like that almost every year. Like I'll have two to 300 prayer requests uh, that I have written down in my prayer journal. You know, it's, I write down the things I really want to, I'm really, you know, wanting to to keep up with that. I'm really, you know, there's, for instance, like in my Sunday school and my Sunday school book, all of those requests, I write my Sunday school book because I'm reading my Sunday school lesson through the week. And I'm still, I'm praying over that. Um, But you know, like when you're in Sunday school, a lot of people are writing for their cousin's aunt or, you know, like they're not really sharing their own personal troubles. They'll share everybody else's troubles. (laughs) And so, um, but so I like to really write things that are personal to me in my prayer journal. So it's two to 300 things. And then again, he only asked, you know, a very small few things for me to do. And so that gives me a lot of perspective too. Like I do ask him for a lot. And when he asked me for something, I realized he doesn't ask me for very much. And I want to be obedient to the Lord. I want, you know, we're in this partnership. And I want to do the things he's calling me to do. I'll never forget. Um, there was a girl that had been in my divorce recovery. I used to lead divorce recovery classes at my church. And there was a girl that had been in my class. And I don't remember what made her. I mean, other than the Lord put her on my mind and there was a scripture. And I just wrote this scripture down and just wrote her, sent her a card saying, hey, I've been thinking about you lately. And I feel like the Lord wants me to send you this scripture. And so I mailed it. And she called me that week and she said, you are not going to believe this. She said, I have started seeing this, this new person. And I'm, I'm asking God, I can't like, is, should I be in this relationship? Is this, you know, she's like, I'm really trying to figure out about this relationship. And she said, I told God, I woke up that morning and told God, I'm going to hear from you today you've got to speak to me today. And she said, I looked for him all day long. And she said, I get home and in the, in the mail is this card. I mean, I could start crying of just this word from him. And she's like, I needed that word. And that's why it's so important. I don't think that we always realize like these little things that maybe God prompts us to do. And we're like, I don't know. I don't know. That seems kind of weird. But it's like, if we just followed through with them, we don't know what that means to the other person or how God is speaking to them. And then you you bring that answer. And that's just, 
it's such a wonderful partnership that we just, I don't know that we value it like we should. Because when you get into this and you're, I mean, prayer, that's our, you know, our communication with the Lord. I mean, he speaks us through his word, but in prayer, it's, it's, we're really having that conversation back and forth. Now he doesn't always, and I want to clarify this when I'm in my prayer, you know, my prayer journal here, I'm not saying he automatically right then and there speaks to me. Now, sometimes he does, but it's all throughout the day. You know, that something will come up and I'll feel a prompting and a leading. And because I'm disciplined to every day looking at this and writing those things down, I can, even with my menopause brain, I can usually recall what he, what I felt prompted to do. And I want to make sure that I, that I act promptly, you know, to do those things and be obedient. Well, and what I think is so neat is when you say yes to those things, like you had the beautiful gift of seeing that obedience and seeing the fruit of that and knowing, wow, you know what? God was answering her prayer through me before she even asked, like before she even asked for, for an answer, he was already putting things into motion. He's that good. And then to see her, but then I think those times we have to place them like Ebenezer stones, like we need to remember for the times when we don't see, when we just do something and we're like, you throw it out into the universe and think, okay, God, I don't even know if that made a difference. Or you say something to someone and you never know if that obedience led to anything. Mm -hmm. Maybe their, their face remains blank and they're like, okay, thanks. But who knows? But, but we need to remember that that obedience, it will accomplish the purposes that he set out to use it for, you know, it's, it's not going to go void, um, when we're obedient to God. And I maintain, I know that we don't have a 100% track record hearing right from God. I know I've said things and I've had people look at me like, okay. And I've thought, you know what, maybe I just had that in my head to say or do. And, but I still think that bears fruit because that act of obedience that was to God. It's like, you know, the example of giving someone a meal, you know, that, that is, is holding a sign that says, you know, I'm, I'm hungry and you give them a meal. I had a woman one time that, that said, uh, what is this? And she, and it was a ham sandwich. And she's like, I hate ham. And she threw it away. I, that usually doesn't happen, but that act that wasn't for her necessarily. That was exactly God. And that was an act to who knows how that action impacted that woman's heart. That, you know, I really think God, God, or somebody that witnessed what you were doing in that moment. Right. You just don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I'm rambling on, but I just, I love the fact that you got to see that example and we can stand on those times when we can see that obedience come to fruition and, and remember that he's always working in it, even if we can't see the end result. You know, you mentioning that God had answered that prayer before she even asked, you know, I never thought about that before. So thank you for that revelation. But but that's the kind of thing that you get to see, you know, that he like when we read the Bible and the stories in the Bible, we can see things like that. Oh, God even had answered this in the, in someone else's story, but like, it helps me to see it in my own story. Like, Oh, God was already at work right. even before she asked that. 
Yeah. And we don't always real. I mean, again, it's just more insightful and more revelation. And, you know, you were talking about sometimes you do something and you're like, well, maybe that wasn't the Lord. You know, one of the things that I will do in this section, like if I think there's something right now that the Lord has brought to me three times and um, I have written a question. I finally, after the third time, you know, different conversations with people, this topic, which is an unusual topic, but it has to do with ministry has now come to me three times. So I've now written that down with a question mark. Mm -hmm. And that is what I'll do a lot of times. Like, I'm like, okay, Lord, are you trying to speak to me? And now I'm kind of waiting for some confirmation on that. But that's, that's another, you know, it helps you to be, I think, more spiritually aware. Cause I'm like, okay, you've said this, this has come up three times. So are you trying to tell me something? I'm going to put a question mark here and I'm going to keep praying about it. Cause I think you'll confirm this one way or the other. And that is wise advice. That's so good to, you know, not just jump into something because, because of a whim, especially if it's something important, but to be attuned, cause he'll speak, you know, he's going to absolutely lead you and guide you. Well, on the topic of, of hearing from God, um, what would you say to someone that just says I've prayed and I've prayed, but God is silent. I don't hear him. I, I don't have any idea how to even go about hearing God's voice. What advice would you give to that person? You know, there's scripture now. I almost think it's John 10, 10. I wasn't going to go here. So I didn't look it up because uh, there was another direction I was going to go in. But uh, for many years, there was a scripture that was a scripture that really got on my nerves. Like there's been a couple of scriptures that when I read it, I'm like, mm, I'm not, I, I don't know about it. And I always find it's those scriptures that God later will, will teach me something that I can mm -hmm. impart to other people. Hmm. So basically that scripture, it says that uh, the sheep knows his voice. And I, for so many years, I'm like, wait, I know I'm sheep. Like I know I'm, I was saved, but I can't hear your voice. And so back then when this scripture really used to bother me, I would think, cause I could hear women um, testify at church. And uh, this one woman, especially, she would just testify at church. And it was like, she was so close to the Lord. And she would talk about how the Lord would speak to her something. And it would just be so, just so powerful. And I thought, I mean, I don't hear you. And I know that I'm a sheep. Well, finally, after really just continually coming to the Lord with this, he finally, I felt like shared with me that not all, I realized not all sheep do hear his voice the lambs the baby lambs they don't know what the shepherd is saying hmm. what they do is they follow their mother for the milk and you know there's a scripture where peter talks about how we are to be grown up on on the milk which is the word of god mm -hmm. they also smell their herds so you know when they put all the different shepherds put all the different herds together and then they could call them out that baby lamb really probably didn't know their, sh their own shepherd's voice, but he could smell his herd. You know, he would follow. And that's where I believe church is so important and mm -hmm. being part of a body. Think about how many women you learn from. It's just like the woman that testified at my church all the time. And I recognize she had a relationship with the Lord that I wanted to also have. Mm -hmm. She was a mature Christian and I would get with her and, and just like, how do you know? Like I learned from her. And so there's just, uh, you know, so there's these baby Christians. And so sometimes it, if we can't hear the Lord, sometimes it's because it, you know, maybe we're baby Christians 
I mean, that's got to be developed. And uh, just like uh, you said about stepping out, like sometimes you might feel like the Lord led you to do something and you do it and the turnout is not what you think it is. Mm-hmm. That's part of our learning process. Yes. You know, my, my daughter one year called me and she said um, she had some really expensive baby formula and she's had a bunch left over. And she was like, I feel like the Lord may be wanting me to give it to this other girl I know, but it's a girl that I'm not friends with and I've never really particularly cared for. <laughs> she's like, so, and I go, well, you know, it's not the enemy. I mean, what you're doing. And she said, I know like on Facebook, like she's got a newborn and she's kind of struggling. And uh, I said, you know, all you can do is just step out in faith. This is how you learn when the Lord is speaking to you. And right. I said, even if she doesn't receive it well, this is about you growing and learning uh, from the Lord and, and to hear the Lord. But going back to if if someone is continually praying and they're not getting an answer, I have an ask model that I have in this book. Um, and you know, in scripture, uh, it's Matthew uh, chapter seven, verses seven through eight, where it says, um, you know, to ask and then to seek and to knock mm-hmm. and it will be given, you know. Uh, so what I do in my, in my prayer journal, beside each of my prayer requests, I will, if it's something that's completely out of my, out of my hands, like, let's say we send our children to church camp. They're not going to be with us that week. So they're completely in the hands of the Lord. And I, and I've written down that I want, you know, then to, to be safe. I want safe return. You know, uh, I can only put an A there. There's nothing else I can do. If I'm, trying to figure out a direction or I've got a decision to make, I'll put an S, S for seeking. And I will begin to seek the word of God on this topic. I will go to my mentors that I have, my Titus women, and and share with them. Also, Paul said, women, if you don't understand, ask your husbands. And so there, you know, I'll go to my husband and I'll ask, you know, I'll throw off, you know, let him be my sounding board and see what he thinks, you know. So there's, there's times where we need to be seeking and then there's the K for knocking and that is action. So like I could pray, like, let's say I had some honorary neighbors, you know, that were just, you know, and I was like, Lord, I just wish they get saved, you know, well, maybe I'm part of that partnership where I need to be going and inviting them to church or being kind to them, trying to create a relationship to share Jesus. And so sometimes, you know, we can't just put it all on God because sometimes there are things that he's wanting us to do. You know, we can find him in the word. We can find him among godly counsel. Um, and, And so sometimes, you know, I would recommend doing the ask model with the prayer And then sometimes we're just, we're in a long wait. Sometimes it's a very long wait. And, um, and sometimes the answer is no, you know, and for whatever reason, um, I had, um, and my husband had an uncle in Florida who did not know the Lord and he got on his deathbed and his daughter-in-law called me and said, you know, he's you know, dying. And I was like, does he know the Lord? And she's like, no. And I said, can you, I said, have you ever, these are relatives we hadn't known very long. And I was asking her, like, do you have a pastor? Do you you go to church anywhere? And she's like, well, I used to be a Baptist, but I don't go to church now. 
And I was like, okay, go to the hot, like she was at the hospital, go to the desk and find somebody. Somebody can go, you know, like a priest or a pastor or a minister or somebody that could go to him. And so she did, she found somebody and he went and he spent time with, with my husband's uncle and she called me back and she said, I did, I did all the things. We found a a minister who went in and she said, Gina, he talked to him like a dog. She said, I was so embarrassed, but you know what? Glory to God, because he had the opportunity to know Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, I do believe that God will find you if you're seeking him. And this, unfortunately, this uncle was not seeking him. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes the answer is no. And there's, you know, and we just have to be at peace and knowing that God is still good. He still, he got to hear the message. The gospel message was presented to him. He had an opportunity to know the Lord. Well, and I love that the knock part of that, because I think as people that love to pray, sometimes if you're passionate about prayer, sometimes we forget the, the practical, we like to separate, okay, well, this is spiritual. This is what I'm doing now. I'm doing spiritual things now. And, and the practical things aren't necessarily part of that in our minds, but I mean, prayer is, it's a relationship with God, which includes action. And I just think that including that component kind of rounds out that prayer experience, not to exclude the things that we can do. Cause you took action. You did everything that you could to present the gospel to right. that uncle. And we don't know, we, we don't know what happened. We, we have no idea what might've happened in that transaction. That's true. After or, the, like after he, the minister left, he could have or maybe someone overheard that minister, or maybe something happened in the minister's heart. We just, we have no idea, but whatever the case or, or the daughter, you know, but, but God, yeah, God, God gives us responsibility to, to pray and it doesn't exclude action. And I love that component of it, that three part. I love the way you separated those three parts, the asking, the seeking Mm -hmm. and the knocking, because those are all great ways to kind of like litmus tests for right. what we want and, and how we can get it and how we can partner with God. Yes. Yes. Well, I have a lot more questions for you, but we just don't have the time. So we're going to oh. have to have you back on later. Okay. Well, good. I'll be glad to come and share. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but I just wanted to, I, I definitely wanted to give you an opportunity to tell our listeners about where they can connect with you online and on social media and find your book. Okay. Okay. Well, my website is GinaDuke.com and I spell my name G-I-N-A and Duke is singular. There's no S at the end. So GinaDuke.com and I'm in the process of having it overhauled. And so it'll be updated in by January. Um, also, you can find me on Instagram at the Gina Duke. So if you're interested in my, in my prayer journal, the thing is I, I've said often, I have this organized way that I pray, but I, I junk it up. It's actually, I've turned it into a junk journal. And so if you want to see the layouts of my junk journals, uh, those are always on Instagram. I post every week's, you know, layout. And so that must say something. I really want to be organized in my prayer life, but then I want to junk it up too. Yes. No, <laughs> I'm not quite sure what that does say about me, but um, I like, I like a little fun. 
And uh, then I have a new podcast, uh, The Gina Duke Show. And that's where I help Christian women grow in uh, faith, order, and influence in their leadership roles. So whether uh, you're a Christian female leader in the marketplace or ministry, because I was a director of women's ministry for six years at my church, I like to give some good tips about faith and having order in our life and being a person of influence. And then I share some other planning things that, you know, the, the whole prayer journal is very much like a planner to me. You know, I'm, I'm something I'm looking at on a daily basis, making my entries, got, you know, and it's guiding me. And um, again, it's just helping me see uh, my relationship with the Lord. I like that analogy of the prayer journal being kind of like, you know, I, a day doesn't go by that. I don't look at my calendar because I have to, I rely on it to remember all the things and it kind of, it's a blueprint of your day and that prayer organizer, you know, your, your prayer journal or, you know, just that picture. I mean, that's, that's a blueprint for your day as well on the spiritual level. That's, that's a great analogy. I love it. All right. Well, we're going to, how can we pray for you today? I'm going to close this up in prayer. Well, I will say, um, one of the questions, uh, that we had th- talked about, at, uh, sharing was mm-hmm. in the ears to hear section, uh, there has to be that place where I put, where I follow through. And I realize I'm not as quick on my follow through, you know, I realize that I'm not, I've gotten kind of lazy with that section. Mm, and so yes. um, that would be a good place to pray uh, just that, you know, because in anything we can still get lackadaisical. We can go, mm. yeah, yeah, you know. And so um, I, I have realized that lately that I'm, I'm leaving, I'm leaving the Lord hanging a little bit and I need to clean that up and be a little bit more, um, you know, have a better sense of urgency like Peter, you know, the end of all things is near. So let's, you know, let's get in while the Lord is speaking and, and follow through with those things. Yeah. That would be my prayer. Absolutely. I will be praying that we will all be praying that. And, um, well, and along those lines, if you can real quick answer, cause that was the, what do you struggle with the most with prayer? Yes. What's your biggest prayer struggle? What do you love the most about prayer to balance that out? I love the thing in which really has nothing to do with this prayer journal exactly other than prayer is something you can always do like I might be without the bible I could be in a situation where I don't have it now I'll have what I've remembered you mm-hmm. know um but it may not always be accessible to me I can't always be in the house of God among the fellowship of body of believers my brothers and sisters in Christ so prayer is the one thing I love about it is I, nobody can take that from me. Nobody can stop me from praying. I could be talking to you and praying at the same time and you would never know it. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that it, it's, I love how God created that component of our relationship and nobody can take it away from us. Oh, that's so good. And it is so true. It doesn't matter where you are. Uh, my, my son said something. I don't even remember how it came up about being confined to like a, a sensory free chamber, something that he had been reading about what it's like to be in a sensory free chamber and how you could actually, you know, he's like, yeah, you could just, it, it could actually, you know, mess with your mind. And I think, well, but there's always God, you could always talk to God. It doesn't matter if you're in true. prison. It doesn't matter if you're 
alone. It doesn't matter if you have your Bible at hand, but you can, you can talk to God. And, and I think about that with our, you know, people that we hear from who are very sad and depressed because they feel like they don't have anything more to offer because they're homebound because they're struggling with chronic illness or disability and, and are bedridden. God can use your prayers no matter what, no matter where you are. And I, I love that. That's just such a, such a gift. It is. It truly is. All right. Well, Gina, thank you for being with us. This was great. And I definitely would love to have you back on to talk about some more of our, some more of our things, some more of our questions. So thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. I'll close this up in prayer. God, we just thank you so much for this time to just talk about our prayer closets. Father, thank you for the gift of prayer, that gift of partnering with you to see your kingdom being unleashed on this planet. And and we just pray that you would help us to have eyes to see how you want us to pray, where you want us to pray, how you want us to act. And, And I just lift Gina up to you. I lift up her book her podcast, her ministry, and just all of the things that she's doing now, God, and just pray that your blessing would pour out on her, that you would open doors for her words and her, um, just the things that you've placed on her heart to reach more women than she ever imagined possible. And we pray that there would be salvations. We pray that there would be life change as a result of, of all of these things that she's putting out into the world. God, I just, uh, we pray just along with Gina, that you would help us all to follow through with the things that you're putting in front of us. Um, I pray for the thing that, that Gina shared that she's sort of working through and asking for more clarity on that. You would really solidify that if that's something you want her to do or not do help just give her clarity in that decision. Um, and with all the things that she's sure of that you're asking of her, help her to have that urgency, God, help us all to have that urgency of knowing that the kingdom of God is at hand, that we are ready. We are, we are ready and willing and able to follow through, even with the hard things, even with the things that mean that, that we're going to hurt a little bit, that there's going to be a little sacrifice and a little pain involved because Mm -hmm. we know that the ultimate the ultimate uh, result of all of that is going to be just so much better than anything that we're called to give up. And we just thank you for those blessings that you're the giver of every good gift. You're the withholder of nothing. And we just pray that your kingdom power would be unleashed on this earth as it is in heaven, just through our, our prayers and our actions in Jesus name. Yes. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.